two former presidents had two different things to say about Donald Trump over the weekend, and I'm going to look at that specifically in the sense that the media takes a snippet of what they want and pushes it, and most people just pay attention to that snippet and not the whole conversation, and it's dangerous. We're going to talk a little bit about that, a little bit about the phone call that Donald Trump made, and the controversy around that and General Kelly, all this, and a little bit more is coming up. It is Fritz Cast, and it's Monday, October twenty third, two thousand and seventeen. And if you were paying attention to the uh, Facebook page yesterday, if you were paying attention to the Facebook page yesterday, uh, you would have seen a little posting about me saying, "Anticipate this episode getting recorded on Tuesday," because work is a lovely ball of crap that I get froze at every week. Oh. I'm sorry, that's disgruntled employee me. Let's go back. Let's start over again. Hey, guys. It's, hey, it's Fritz. Hey, guys. Hey, it's Monday, October 23rd, 2017, and I am not disgruntled about my job in any way, shape, or form. I love it. Okay, that was too peppy and and uh, and happy-go-lucky. One more take, one more take. All right. <sighs> What's up, guys? It's Fritz, and this is the Fritz Cast, indeed. And it is Monday, October twenty third, two thousand and seventeen. How are y'all doing? It is just quite another week for me. Good. We'll go with that take. Jokes on you guys, though, because I'm keeping all the takes in. Ha 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 ha. I just came off of a busy weekend. You ever get your weekend and it's just, it's not yours anymore? It's gone. It's sacrificed to whatever life is throwing your way. So this past year, this past year for me and my wife has been like the year of weddings. And if, if we weren't married, it would, I think it would be a tall tale sign that we needed to get married, but we've been married for like seven years. Love you, babe. Anyway, it has been the year of weddings. We uh, Back in April, we had to go out to Texas for a week of vacation, which was to see her uh, her brother get married, which, I mean, now it's great. Let's, let's, let's backpedal a little bit. Marriages and weddings are great. They're awesome, all right? They really are. It's festive family gatherings, you know. And uh, for some people like me, you know, you indulge in a little drink here and there. You know, you have fun. You let loose on the dance floor. You buy a new suit. I don't know what it is with me and suits, but, like, these events roll around, and I'm like, oh, I got to get a suit. I have two suits. Well, I used to have more, but, you know, and then, then, but these pop up, and I'm like, oh, crap, I can't wear the same suit. And I really, I could just switch the shirt Maybe buy a new tie. Nope, I have to go to Kohl's and get like a new suit coat and uh, matching pair of pants. That was the problem. Last the, the April wedding. Sorry, Drew and Caitlin, if you're listening, but the the April wedding uh, it was totally going to Kohl's, mix and match uh, sport coat and bottoms, and we failed. We failed epi- epically. 
epically, we failed. Uh, we, we didn't fail in the fact that the suit that I bought was perfect for Texas. It was thin-lined. Uh, it wasn't thick and wooly or anything like that. Perfect to wear in the Texas heat and not sweat your butt off, despite the fact that you're going to sweat your butt off anyway because it's the Texas heat. So uh, bought a suit for that. Again, wasn't very good ma- matching. So this wedding, oh, wow, wow, I'm getting ahead of myself. So that was April. May came along. That was my buddy Sween's wedding. Just used the same suit that I used for Texas. I was like, you know what? I just bought this suit. Let's let's rock with it. So did that, went to his wedding. Had to go to work immediately following it. So there wasn't so much festivities on my part. That was my fault. Uh, five years perfect attendance. I should learn to call out once in a while and take a day. But that's beside the point. Did his wedding, all right? Then there was Jay Sean and Luther's wedding, which I was in. So didn't have to worry about buying a suit. Uh, just had to worry about paying for it. And the suit that we got, just, you know, a sidebar. What happened over the summertime? Uh, statue tear down. Um, all against the Confederacy of the United States. Uh, we, 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 we enveloped and got into these arguments about the 1800s and tearing down statues of Robert E. Lee and all that. Jay Sean and Luther's wedding, the, the colors for the groomsmen and uh, the groom himself, was a light gray-like color to the degree that when we put on it, and I mean everything was gray. The, the suits were gray, you know, the, the, the suit coat, the pants, gray. The vests and the ties, gray and silver. Uh, the, the undershirts, white, okay? Um, pinning the flowers on the uh, outer lapels, too. So by the time that we were all done and dressed up with it, all of us groomsmen and even the groom agreed, we looked like Confederate generals. And we were happy that the wedding was a private event because we looked good, all right? We looked fantastic. Uh, All of us, all the women thought we were handsome, all right? Straight up. We loved the suits. We thought the suits were great. It's just the fact that they were were, um, Confederate General Gray. If I got some stars and slapped them on, people would have confused me with Longstreet. I'm just, I'm just saying. So their wedding was in August and... It was outside, and it was an August, summer, Jersey. Yeah, it was hot and humid. But the outside part was only for a portion, and then we were inside, and it was fun. The whole thing was fun. The whole thing the, the, the whole thing was fun. Enjoyed it. Didn't have to worry about a suit. Then October rolls along, and my wife's cousin's wedding, which my wife was in. So here we go, me and her in one wedding together, and her in a wedding separately. Here I was sitting again going, oh, crap, I need to get a suit. I need to get, I need, I need something to wear. And I, I put the foot down. I said, I can't stand mis- mismatched suit anymore. Cannot do it. So I'll go to Kohl's. I, I went with gray this time. A, a nice, you know, darker gray suit. Red tie because red was the theme of the evening. And it reminded me, I like putting on suits and I like getting dressed up. I do. I don't know what it is about it. Maybe it's because I look good in a suit. At least that's what my Facebook picture posted suit selfie says because of all the likes. So if we're gauging it on popularity, I look good in a suit. I like wearing suits. It's fun. Uh, I'm starting to think I need to get a light gray suit. Look like a Confederate general for a little bit. 
just not wearing certain areas for a little bit, if you know what I mean. But, uh, you know, that's beside the point. Four weddings. That's a lot to go through. And then my buddy at this wedding talked about his wedding next year. And I'm like, oh, crap, we're not done with the weddings. Like I said, they're big and festive things, you know? And then at the same token, I think about this joke that Mike Kaplan used to uh, crack about how 50% of marriages end in divorce, so it's either her or you. Uh, That's just statistically. But the long point of the, the, the long point of this story, sorry about my voice cracking, apparently I'm going through puberty again. The long point was that the weekend was enveloped by my wife's cousin's wedding. Literally, like Friday, half the day was setting up for the wedding. That was Friday evening. Now, I got fed for it, and I shouldn't complain because you got food. You got food out of it. Great. And then Saturday, right around 12, well, I mean, had to go out and do some light shopping beforehand in the morning. So that was that was the morning. And then immediately into the afternoon, 12, 31 o'clock, we had to be at the venue helping set up and go into the wedding, which lasted all evening. So my weekend just went away. Not saying it wasn't for a good cause or a good time, but the weekend went away. And when you have a weekend and it goes away like that, you're just like, no, no, wait, come back. No, 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 come back. Please come back. And my phone goes off because I forgot to silent it. And that was my wife. And it's probably because vacation isn't for another month. Like in a month, there'll be two weeks of beautiful, glorious vacation and going to you know Oklahoma, of all places. You know, Oklahoma, where the wind comes sweeping down the plain. They all sing that there in Oklahoma, too. They love it if you just randomly go up to strangers in Oklahoma and start singing it as if it's the first time that they've ever heard that song being sung. I highly recommend it. But that's a fun, believe it or not, it's a fun place to go because it's quiet and out of the way. And there is stuff to do there, contrary to popular belief, where you could live in Delaware and there's nothing to do. More on Delaware later. So that's where I'm at. I guess it's because my last vacation was in April and the next two weeks aren't coming up until the end of November and the beginning of December so I'm stuck in a rut where I'm just like, can vacation get here, please? Can vacation can vacation come and just never end? Wouldn't that be awesome if vacation would never end, but you still got paychecks? Oh, well. So that was the weekend, and the week was... The week leading up to it was fairly uneventful. Just, you know, filled with work and stuff. And that reminds me, like, work gave me... Uh, finally, finally work gave me my five-year certificate and five-year pen, and I had to sit down. It's one of those eval points in your life where you sit down and you look at where you are. And, you know, five years ago when I took on a job with the Department of Correction, I literally thought in my head, yeah, I'm not going to stay here that long. I can already tell. That's what I felt. I felt like, you know what, this job will be a good thing to get me on my feet, get my bills paid down a little bit, and give me some steady money while I figure things out. And then it's five years later, and you have rank, and you have some status, and you've earned a reputation, and you get goofy little things like a five-year certificate and a five-year pin. 
And, you you know, it makes you evaluate. Like, five years ago, I definitely was not sitting here going, yeah, I'll still have this job. But also, the last job I had, which I held for five years, I said the same thing at the beginning. I said, yeah, I'm not going to be here in five years. Life has a weird way of uh, working things out, so to speak. So, still with the Department of Corrections. However, there are some different things in life. Like, the fact that I maintain this podcast on a weekly basis and sort of have kicked up the blog. The blog is not so much a weekly basis thing yet. I'm hoping to beef it up to a weekly basis. And I'm even thinking about starting up a YouTube channel and starting more promotional type of things for the podcast and the program. It's very hard to do on an independent level as just a guy who's trying to get his name out there. Like, yeah, I don't have sponsorships. I don't have a big listenership yet. And... I'm trying to do it as much as I can myself, as much as I can grassroots, because that's important to me. It's important to me to not be a guy who's just getting money thrown at him because, oh, he's he's entertaining or, you know, other, other factors. He spreads the message that we want him to spread. I have my own message. It is, if you're a listener... If you're a dedicated listener, you know, my mis- my messages are very mixed and can't really fit in one political spectrum or scheme. It's hard to do it. That's why we call this libertarianish, liberty-loving, millennial podcast. That's how us millennials... I, I tend to find that millennials are a mixed bag, not, not really as progressive as people want to make them out to be, not as liberal per se as people want to make them to be, they're this odd independent balance of different things. And, of course, everything has the extremes. There's the extremes that, you know, there's dummies that wear Che Guevara shirts that have no idea, have never actually looked into the history of it and how terrible a person he was. Yet, it's fun to wear his shirt and have his stickers on your car, despite the fact that you have no idea anything about the ideologies or the politics behind it all. It's this fun little world that we live in. And it was funny. I was talking with my wife over the weekend. And in it, it was it was part of this whole like evaluation thing. Like, wow, it's been five years. Uh, my brother-in-law, Dave, was visiting in town. He's a recruiter. And he likes, you know, since he's moved away, he likes getting caught up on people's lives and what they're doing, what their plans are. And so he asked me that. He said, well, what are your plans from here? You've had five years in. Do you intend to make a make it a you know a lifelong career? Do you intend to branch off elsewhere outside of you know corrections and what you're doing? And the thing is with corrections, I you know I had a stunning realization. He asked me, you know, what do I really enjoy doing? And I, I said, huh, well, that's a good question. I'm don't I'm not sure that I actually enjoy doing any of it, it other than the fact that it does bring home a paycheck that pays the bills and then some. And sometimes you're stuck where you're at because of responsibilities or fixing your past mistakes. In my case, I have learned a lot about fiscal responsibility through making dumb, stupid mistakes that honestly I was taught about in high school economics class by my teacher, who I guess, you know, since I don't name last names and all that, I won't, um... I believe his first name was Ed, though. And he taught economics like 
well, like a fiscal conservative would teach economics, that there is no such thing as a fr- free lunch. Tin stoffel, you know? There's no such thing as a free lunch. Uh, if you're going to take out money on a loan, make sure you pay it back the day before it's due so you pay little to no interest at all. You know, the the, the smart stuff. You get a credit card, pay it off immediately. The, the basic stuff that keeps normal people from indebting themselves in this game that society has going on. And I took it and I thought this is all smart. And I thought I had it all figured out. And then I fell into the traps anyway. I went to college not knowing what I wanted to study at first. Taking out the money because the government said, here, here's the, here's the financial aid money. Don't worry about it. Go and get your education. And I did that. And now I have an elongated period because it took me a while to figure out what I wanted to do and what I wanted to focus on. And the money just was there. The money's just there. And the propaganda's in place. If you don't get your high, if you don't get your college degree, you could end up like a homeless hobo living under the train station. It's incredible propaganda to get you to go to school, which keeps the system propped up, which, by the way, continually makes things more expensive. The more people that go to school on the okay of this grant and this is financial aid that's nearly guaranteed and don't worry about it, the more money that goes out that people cling to and throw at school and then worry about paying off the rest of their lives, the more the school can say, oh, this is expensive education because look at all the people that are here. It's a long and complex conversation. But if it's, it's like saying, if I could go back, I'm proud of my degree. I'm proud of my, you know, bachelor's in communications degree. I really am. I'm not proud of the price tag. And the fact that I did just go ahead and blindly do it was stupid. It was stupid because it came with a hefty price tag. A price tag that so far, and probably for the next couple of years to come and then some, isn't going to be worth the cost. That's just how complex these things get. But in talking with my wife about this, about the reevaluation point, yeah, right now I'm kind of, I kind of need to stick where I'm at because I get paid pretty decently and I have the availability of overtimes, not to mention the fact that I'm getting forced in overtime every week. So I get forced in overtime every week. I take another overtime voluntarily and I'm making extra money that I can knock bills out with, which is great. By the time I'm done that, when I don't need that anymore, walking away from the job that I'm at right now isn't going to be so hard because you look at how much you can pour into it and what it's doing for you. And I pour in my heart and soul into whatever into whatever job I'm in. And if it doesn't start having some kind of a payout in the positive for me, including health and wellness, which this job does not, definitely not mental health and wellness either, then you start balancing different important things. My wife mentioned, she said, well, you're, you're so into politics. You talk about it every week on your podcast. You were so involved in, in the 2016 election process and getting people talking and focusing on uh, these fringe candidates that weren't in the mainstream. Like, would you think of doing politics? 
And the answer has always been, you know, yeah, it's kind of interesting, but I don't think that's how people should make their money. There's money in it, and I think it's kind of dirty that there's money in it and that that's how people make their living. But would I do politics? And it, it came to this it came to this deep realization and conversation where I'm the kind of guy that I don't think parties would like. The Republican Party definitely wouldn't like me because I stand up and I say all these social issues, uh, wh- whether it's the LGBTQ community, which encompasses you know gays and lesbians and bisexuals and transgenders. When it comes to their social issues, I'm like, the government shouldn't be doing anything whatsoever. When it comes to somebody's business in the bedroom, if they want to get married, let them get married. All right, Government hardly has a legitimate purpose in being involved in marriage, in the business of marriage. Hardly has. It's just something stupid that we as a society have bought into. And some of it is stupid tax incentives for being married, tax incentives for having children, tax incentives which shouldn't even exist. But it comes to social issues... What's going on between two private consenting adults at which point the government should have zero involvement, no business whatsoever. And the Republican Party, just just as their platform, the Republican Party, not conservatives per se, but the Republican Party, eh, they wouldn't really like me. They would consider me a fringe Republican candidate. And the Democrats, well, they would consider me a fringe candidate on the aspect that I believe national spending and finance and taxation, they're all things that need to be heavily scrutinized and looked at because I'm a fiscal conservative. You can't spend what you don't make, what you don't have. If you don't look at the national debt and deficit and try to control that in the positive for you, then we have problems. And that's probably where the Democrats wouldn't like me. So... You already have me at this middle ground, independent, not liked fringe guy. And then to throw it on top, I tell people I'm a libertarian on top of that. Like, oh, well, how how limited do you want the government? Eh, outside of a, a lot of basic things, like most of it we can get rid of. The IRS could totally go to the wayside if we just reform the tax code and we could totally make the IRS useless. When I throw that out there, people are like, oh, so you're talking about eliminating all these jobs that, you know, that the government created. If there's one thing the government is good at, okay, number one, the government doesn't create jobs. It does not. But if there's one thing the government's good at, it's creating a job and then fudging the paperwork to justify the need for it. They're excellent at that, which justifies the need for taxes being high and the need for XYZ tax and so on and so forth. It's amazing how good they are at fudging that stuff. And see, this is where I become that unpopular, fringy guy that, like, you know, people are like, I don't know if I can trust this guy. He's he's an anarchist. He's saying that the government should go away. And I'm not. I'm saying that we do need some baseline of government, but it's way too powerful. It's way too money-hungry. It's way too in for itself and not for the people. And... When I say the people, (laughs) 
that's the other thing. People get so hung up. When I say the people, I don't mean like when the people decide what they want. They can get together and democracy can take over. And I've learned over the years that democracy, much like any other, any, and you could throw out any system, any system, any philosophy, and nothing's perfect. And democracy especially is not perfect. Without going too much into detail, just because democracy, the majority rules aspect, can enforce things that are not morally correct, if that makes sense. But before I get ahead of myself, because I could drag this out, anyway, I had a stunning revelation that maybe I would do politics in my career, maybe I would find a way to be in the political spectrum. But if you ever see the name Fritz in the political spectrum, if you ever see my name in the political spectrum, just know it's going to be one of those fringy middle ground guys that, you know, people... And I, 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 At the end of the day, I guess maybe that's a good thing because at the end of the day, I just don't care what people think about me. I'm not trying to appeal to popularity... I have my own set of principles and my own ideas and my own goals that shape themselves throughout my uh, my evolution as a person. And there's certain things that I'm not going to stray from. So maybe that would make me a popular candidate. Maybe it wouldn't. Maybe people would hate me. I don't know. And I really don't care. So it is what it is. That'll be a deeper conversation for another day, maybe even a blog post, because it's easier to write certain things out than to speak them out, especially when you're sitting in a room by yourself, talking to yourself, which some people might say is crazy. Now, as I opened the podcast with, over the weekend, George W. Bush had a speech, and this clip following is what was played by uh, 90, 90%, maybe 95% of the news outlets. It was this exact clip that was played. So I'm going to play that first and we'll talk about it. But then we're going to dive into the bigger image of it. In recent decades, public confidence in our institutions has declined. Our governing class has often been paralyzed in the face of obvious and pressing needs. The American dream of upward mobility seems out of reach for some who feel left behind in a changing economy. Discontent deepened and sharpened partisan conflicts. Bigotry seems emboldened. Our politics seems more vulnerable to conspiracy theories and outright fabrication. We've seen nationalism distorted into nativism forgotten the dynamism that immigration has always brought to America. We see a fading confidence in the value of free markets and international trade, forgetting that conflict, instability, and poverty follow in the wake of protectionism. We've seen the return of isolationist sentiments, forgetting that American security is directly threatened by the chaos and despair of distant places where threats such as terrorism, infectious disease, criminal gangs, and drug trafficking tend to emerge. In all these ways, we need to recall and recover our own identity. Our identity as a nation, unlike many other nations, is not determined by geography or, or ethnicity, by soil or blood, 
Being an American involves the embrace of high ideals and civic responsibility. We become the heirs of Thomas Jefferson by accepting the ideal of human dignity found in the Declaration of Independence. We become the heirs of James Madison by understanding the genius and values of the U.S. Constitution. We become the heirs of Martin Luther King, Jr. by recognizing one another not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. This means that people of every race, religion, ethnicity can be fully and equally American. It means that bigotry or white supremacy in any form is blasphemy against the American creed. Okay, so that was a pretty, you know, that was about two minutes, uh, that was about a two-minute clip out of it, and most of it, most of it, sounds like it's against Donald Trump. And that's somewhat factual. It's it's really odd. George W. Bush, who, until Donald Trump came along, I thought was probably the most hated man in politics. At least by the end of 2008, he was. Right. He made he's made this amazing turnaround to to the masses that he's not president and has on more than one occasion on more than one speech turned people's heads and made them go you know what uh, you know uh, George Bush as a president I didn't really like but George Bush now I really do like George Bush now and, and that's they say it with a British accent and everything it's very very weird but here's the thing the news plays that two-minute clip of what they liked of the George Bush speech. And in the immortal words of Glenn Beck on Friday, here, just just listen to this. Listen to how important this gets, because it plays the other bit of this George Bush clip. Okay, so everything that he said rings true. I don't think they were directed at Trump, but anyone who participates in the isolationist mindset protectionism, nationalism. They have never, ever been a part of American success. Never. We've never needed them to be proud citizens of the home of the free and the brave. Our pride in America emanates outward, not inward. We want to share everyone. We want to share our values, our principles, and our prosperity. That's what makes us great. Come over here. Participate. Share in this. But because they just wanted to kill Trump, his words fell on deaf ears. The left just heard him say, Trump, bad. And now George W. Bush is suddenly a progressive darling, which I can't take anymore. How is George Bush all of a sudden a leftist hero? I guess it happens when you completely ignore the later comments in the same speech where he excoriated their side as well. There are some signs that the intensity of support for democracy itself has waned, especially among the young, who never experienced the galvanizing moral clarity of the Cold War, or never focused on the ruin of entire nations by socialist central planning. Some have called this democratic deconsolidation. Really, it seems to be a combination of weariness, frayed tempers, and forgetfulness. 
Look, here's the deal. Both the right and the left are facing philosophical and ideological challenges at the moment. Both sides. It took George W. Bush to sit us down and explain why we're both looking at American democracy in the wrong light. I fear, however, the right and the left will only listen to his words when it suits them. Before you trash or exalt Bush for the edited soundbite you heard that might have been promoted in your carefully selected news feed, I implore you, it's 15 minutes long. Listen to the entire thing. Oh my gosh, so much. Yes, it's 15 minutes long. Listen to the entire thing. Things, hashtag, hashtag things that don't happen today. That is what, that is, that is the world that we live in, and it's increasingly becoming a little more dangerous, if you ask me, because we get things we get things in sound bites. We get things in 30-second, 60-second little sound bites. And if it doesn't happen in that time frame, nobody takes the time anymore to listen for the entire time. This goes back to debate season when, when we had political candidates for president. A lot of people still didn't take the time to watch the debates or listen to these things or listen to these speeches. They listened to the news clippings. And, and just like Glenn Beck alleges, usually it's filtered through your preferred news source, which sometimes people don't take a step back and realize the biases of those things. George W. Bush, at his speech, did not just crap on Trump. He crapped on two extreme sides that are currently going on in today's political climate. Not just the Trump bit. And that and, and that is something that everybody should know by now if you're a listener and if you're just joining in. You know, hi, my name is Fritz. I don't like Donald Trump that much. I really don't. But I'm not just going to toss out anything related to Donald Trump on the merit that it's tied to Donald Trump and therefore must be bad. I'm not going to do that. Just like I'm not going to listen to George W. Bush talk about some things criticizing Donald Trump and just say, oh, well, see, even George Bush doesn't like Donald Trump. Things that people should have already known up till now. But that's not what happens. And, and look no further than the news story that broke about Donald Trump calling a fallen servicemen's family that was of course Donald Trump calling the family of uh, fallen Sergeant La David T. Johnson of course the Johnson family and of course uh, oddly enough the odd the oddball in this story about Trump calling this family is that he was on speakerphone the entire time with this family who just so happened to be in the presence of Representative Frederica S. Wilson, a Democrat from Florida, which is really odd. I, I don't know too many people who have uh, a representative on tap like that. Uh, very odd that the story uh, of his phone call to the family would have the presence of an actual congressperson 
and that a big story would blow up from it. Now, whether or not Trump was disrespectful or not, I don't know. Donald Trump tends to do stupid things, and I believe that John Kelly was asked in an interview about it. John F. Kelly was asked in an interview, uh, and or at least stated in an interview, that he advised Donald Trump to not make personal call connections with, you know, families of fallen soldiers. Um, whether this story of him, who, by the way, the, the, the line that is said that he said was that Sergeant LaDavid T. Johnson, quote, knew, must have known what he signed up for, and that it must hurt anyway. And so the family and this congresswoman are writing it off that Trump called him up and was like, yeah, well, he knew he was going to die anyway. That, that's that's life. That's the military. Doesn't it suck? All right, see you later. Like, And maybe the call did go that way. Maybe it didn't. I can see Trump saying a stupid line and possibly sounding stupid, but the line, somebody knew what they signed up for, which is what all the news stories were breaking. Trump tells family, son knew what he signed up for. Brushing it off. Like, the line in and of itself isn't a disrespectful line. That's what they say at at policemen's funerals all the time, and firefighter funerals all the time, and military funerals all the time. People always say, these people know what they signed up for. They knew the sacrifice that they could potentially be making, which makes them all the more heroic. Now, I can see Donald Trump saying it in such a way that somebody interpreted it in the wrong way, especially when their emotions are high. Either way, didn't think it needed to be a big news story, and now there's several more news stories of families who are getting phone calls from Donald Trump and quite thankful that they're getting phone calls from Donald Trump. But that's just, again, the world that we live in. Snippets, sound bites, and headlines. But nobody wants to do the further digging. The same can be said of... Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter has actually come out and said a lot in interviews over the past weekend in regards to Donald Trump and the current political state. In fact, what Jimmy Carter has said, among the things that Jimmy Carter has said, he said he would serve as a liaison to North Korea and has offered his services to Trump's national security advisor, H.R. McMaster, he has said that the U.S. is no longer the dominant character in the whole world, and we're not going to be, adding that Russia's coming back and India and China are coming forward. He knocked former President Barack Obama's decision to bomb Yemen, as well as his refusal to hold more serious discussion with North Korea. On NFL protests, Jimmy Carter has said that players ought to find a different way to object to demonstrate, saying he wished players would stand for the anthem. And although... The president has said, or although that Mr. Carter has said that Trump was exacerbating racial tensions, he also repeatedly defended current President Trump, stating things along the lines of he may be contributing to the souring of America's image in the world. The declining image of America precedes Trump. He's not bothered by Trump's relationship with Russian President Vladimir Putin and disagreed with his wife about the impact of Russia's meddling in the 2016 election, saying, quote, I don't think there's any evidence that what Russia did changed enough votes or any votes. 
Carter also claimed that, quote, the media have been harder on Trump than any other president, certainly, that I've known about, saying that reporters felt free to claim Trump is mentally deranged and everything else without hesitation. These kind of, uh, again, the way that they're spun seems uncharacteristic of Carter to be defending Trump, Bush to be criticizing Trump, and ooh, what a wacky, upside-down world we live in. But again, it's headlines and spin and lines at face value. And it's dangerous. It truly is dangerous because people are unwilling to bend. People are unwilling to evaluate further. People just want information up front, whether it's a soundbite, a sound clip, a video clip, whatever it is. They want that up front. They want to be told whether it's right or wrong. And then they want to move on. And that is, it's a millennial problem. It's a problem that my generation is facing every day, especially with the boom in technology. The, and it increases every day. Every day we, it just increases and it becomes more central and more focal a point. And people just don't want to avow things anymore. They don't want to think about these things. They don't want to dig deeper. They don't want to question their own beliefs either. Questioning your own beliefs is one of the hardest things that you can probably do in your life is reevaluating your positions and wondering if it's right, if it's wrong, if you're following it for the right intentions or the wrong intentions. It becomes a hassle. It really does become hard. And life isn't easy. In today's political climate, it must be the hardest because all it takes is five seconds in a tweet before everything can just blow up, before everything can be thrown out there. And that's the latest if you go on CNN, if you go on The Hill. The, the, the stories right now are still over the controversial call. And I have to say... I have to say, if it was truly controversial and, and Trump was disrespectful, then that that's sad. That is sad. But everything's becoming a little too political now as well. So are these other calls that he's making to families and their positive experiences, is that some kind of aim to curb the image? Or is this one story about the the bad experience is that to curb the image. I don't know anymore because everything seemingly has an angle now. Nothing can just be the baseline of respect. We have fallen soldiers in Niger from a, a, a terrible ambushing. And it's sad that people had to lose their lives regardless of whether they knew what they signed up for or not. And it's sad that it becomes the center of political attention for one reason or another, whether it's legitimate or not legitimate. We just can't take a step back and mourn the loss, the fact that blood was spilt over the issue. And what's even worse is it doesn't make us reevaluate our foreign policy issues anyway. It really doesn't. Sad. It's truly sad. So, uh, before I close out, hopefully you've been uh, keeping tabs on 
the blog at fritzcast.wordpress.com, my last article on fritzcast.wordpress.com was uh, about Star Wars. Of course, the Star Wars trailer happened, The Last Jedi dropped, and by the way, yeah, I have my tickets, December 15th, 7.15 p.m. It's a Friday night. Have my tickets secured in Cinemark XD uh, because that movie looks amazing. That movie does truly look amazing. The the the, the recent rash of Star Wars, of course, the uh, the Han Solo project finally has a title. It's Solo, a Star Wars story. How original! Uh, I'm not going to bark at that. Ron Howard's directing it. It'll be interesting to see what happens with that because there was controversy surrounding that film. However. There was controversy surrounding Rogue One, and Rogue One turned out to be pretty freaking boss. You know what I mean? So that was my la- that was my latest article. I'm thinking now the next article I'm going to do is is how my political evolution happened, and it might be a lengthy one, but that's going to come up this week. I'm also also thinking about kicking up a YouTube page for little snippets and video bits uh, to help promote the podcast and the blog itself. We'll see if I do that just yet. I don't wanna I don't wanna put it out there. And I've got some other plans coming up for the podcast as well. Oh yes. Oh yes, it's gonna get very busy here at Fritzcast headquarters. So get yourselves ready for that. Guys, thanks for listening. I need I need my cue out music. Where's my cue out music? There we go. So guys, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at FritzQS F-R-I-T-Z-Q-S at Twitter. On Facebook, it's facebook.com slash thefritzcast. And as always, the blog is fritzcast.wordpress.com. There might be a YouTube channel in the works. When I get that, you'll get the links for it. All right? The theme music is from Jerrytown. Let it out. Check it out on iTunes. Link is in the description. Love you all. And if you need to shoot me a message, it's fritzcastpodcast at gmail.com. Love you, and I'll see you all next week.